Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com with over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. For 30% off your new account, go to Shutterstock.com and use the offer code TWIP12. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP12. This week on TWIP, the Chicago Sun-Times rehires some of the photographers they replaced with iPhones, Nikon's firmware update kills some third-party batteries, Clips holiday gift giving guide and an interview with Steve Brokaw. It's Wednesday, December 12th, 2013, and this is Twitter. And welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss some of the topics that have happened this week and maybe even a couple of weeks before this week are Mr. Martin Bailey and Ms. Darlene Hildebrandt. How are you guys doing? Hey, Frederick. Hey, Frederick. Welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. We got lots to talk about. I mean, in our little pre-show banter, we were... We almost did a full show because there's, there's a ton of stuff. There's a ton of stuff to talk about. Darlene, I want to start with you first, though. You uh, you haven't been on in a while, and a lot of stuff has happened in your world. A lot of it title has. changes and other it stuff. Has. It's, uh, it has. It has. Happening. Uh, yeah. Should I be playing with my uh, lower third here? Um, so at um, September, the end of September, I found out that I was going to be part of. Um, a new role, and I flew out to Australia to meet with uh, Mr. Darren Rouse and his team on the DPS. One of my heroes. He's yes. one of my heroes. Um, one of the team. <laughs> and uh, he flew me out there so I could meet with them. I mean, we could, you know, talk by Skype and all that other stuff, but it's nice to meet people in person and, yeah. you know, share share a, a beverage and a lunch and stuff. And uh, I'll just take my lower third off and share my, my new one. So, Look at that. Yes. I am the officially the new managing editor of Digital Photography School. That is really really cool. Now, Digital Photography School, for those that don't know, um, is giant on the internet. It's been around forever. It's one of the most well respected learning sites on the web for photographers. Darren Rouse is the guy behind what was the what was the first site that he started? Pro Blogger. Pro blogger, yeah. So he was one of the pioneers in professional blogging, and he figured it out early and went on to parlay that stuff. And you could tell the story better than I can, but you know, <laughs> I clearly am a big fan. So congratulations! It's Thanks. awesome that it's, you're doing it. It's uh, it's been pretty it's been pretty exciting. I've been doing the job almost a month now, and uh, I've learned a ton in terms of you know what's involved in running a site of this scope. It's it's massive, and um, I mean, just to give you an idea, there's something like 4,100 articles posted on the site. It's been up since, um, you know, sometime in 2006, 2007. Yeah. And he started doing all the writing himself and then, of course, brought on additional writers and so on. So my my role is basically um, working with the existing writers that we have. We get a lot of guest post submissions and people that want to write for us. So it's my job to go through all that stuff and I have to say yay or nay and... 
sometimes be the bad guy and say nay. You're the gatekeeper. The ga- <laughs> I am the gatekeeper. <laughs> I am That's the gatekeeper, cool. and uh, and then I work with the team to you know do special promotions and things. And um, right now, like coming up, they're getting ready to launch the 12 Days of Christmas, which is 12 days where we have you know special. Special thing that comes out every day. So yeah, and uh, so the team is rapidly, you know, in the background doing all that stuff that needs to happen to make that work. Right. That's cool. And so, that's yeah. all. I mean, that's the the other cool part of that is it's completely remote, right? So it's not like you're showing up in a cubicle or whatever. You're where you are now, and you get to work there, and they're in Australia, and probably yep. other writers are in other continents and places, and. It all just works, right? There's writers all over the world. Um, you know, there's quite a few from the U.S. We have Canadian writers. We have U.K. writers. We have lots of Australian writers. So yeah, they're everywhere. And yeah, it's totally beautiful because I mean, part of the arrangement that we have is I mean, I can do this job from anywhere I want. You know, if I want to be on the beach in Mexico, I'm on the plane tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. I can cool. do I can do this wherever I have an internet connection, and uh, it's been really interesting. So far, um, well, congratulations on that. That is good. So, what? Uh, you also have something going on with your your other business, Herview, right? So What's going change, on there? Change hats again. Here we go. There you go. Look at the multitasking <laughs> um, live. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. So, I also am trying to launch a beta version of my um, first online class, like a virtual class. So it would be self-paced. People can watch it at their own speed and do the exercises and so on. So that's coming up actually. When you have this show live is when I'm going to be launching on Friday. So Friday the 13th is my is my launch date. Cool. And uh, I, I will have a special for TWIP listeners. So um, it will be available on herviewphotography.com slash courses. Perfect. And if they use the discount code TWIP10, they'll get 10 bucks off. Boom. Thank you. Awesome. I didn't even have to ask for that. I love how people know that I'm going to beg for discounts for the listeners. I love... <laughs> we know you, Frederick. We know you. you know me. You're hey, a coupon flipper. I know you. I know you are. <laughs> hey, we'll beg for discounts. Awesome. Well, welcome back to the show. It's good to have you back on. Thanks. Good to be here. All right. Also, Mr. Martin Bailey, what's going on with you? There's been a lot of stuff happening in your world as well. Good yeah. and controversial. What's happening? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I... No, the good stuff. I I'm really pleased to have just submitted my uh, third Craft and Vision ebook to the team. Um, cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big a big one. It's uh, over 60 pages in just text. So uh, that's going to be a, a nice meaty book to get your teeth into. It'll probably be available in January. And what's um, it what's it on? This is all about landscapes. Um, okay. I've I've sort of I'm I'm jumping around and, and trying to cover some some big areas of photography but you know landscape photography is one of the areas that I enjoy doing and um, I I decided that it was you know I, I basically I, I get to after dinner talks with the with the groups like in in Iceland and people are saying so how do your your photos look the way they do and ours don't mm-hmm. and you know and and I um there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that and I've basically written it all down and put it in this book. So, uh, as long as the as long as David Dushman and and the team don't turn around and say no, it's crap, do it again. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I then I it should be out in January, which is going to be great. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. When, and then and then what? I knew, so you mentioned also you're you're approaching or you're you've passed four hundred. What's what's going on there? 
I'm I'm just hitting 400. I did episode 399 of my own podcast That's last crazy. week. Wow. And That's 400 crazy. is due out. I was actually, I mean, this leads in perfectly to the controversial part of what we were just talking about. But I uh, I'd planned a a 400th uh, episode party, and I was going to have a hangout on air. Mm. And so, you know, I mean, I've been doing those for a while. Just sort of every so often, I'll grab a bunch of people and we'll we'll do a hangout. I'm doing I'm doing interviews on over on Google, um, but unfortunately, Google decided, you know, that what part of their model for monetizing YouTube um, is finding people that don't pay for licenses for their music and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and then uh, either either taking them to court and you know and and, try, and actually suing them. It's not Google. It's the companies. It's the like at the moment the problem I'm having with is with UMG, mm-hmm. and what they do is they have these robots that go through and listen to the music in in various videos, and if it sounds like something that they should have a you know that you should have a license from them from, they slap a claim against the video. And I did a video of it's literally it's like a thousand two hundred millimeter video of the moon traversing the sky. It's, it oh, takes five minutes. And and it um it's been quite popular. I mean, I had it on Vimeo. I've still got it on Vimeo. In fact, I've got it on Vimeo now in in full high definition because I paid them two hundred two hundred dollars last night to to do this. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, what happened is that you know I used um, the Moonlight Sonata, a, an old classical piece uh, that I got a license from, a paid license three three years ago from Unique Tracks. And UMD think that it's a different recording, and so you know they they flagged it. I didn't realize this until this last week, but the the um, the the boss of Unique Tracks got in touch and told me that they're claiming that it's a recording by Daniel Barenboim, <laughs> and um, and it's actually not. My recording is by uh, Andre Raki Raki, mm-hmm. and yeah. and so. They've they've mis and um, you know they've misidentified the music, but I've I've had literally tw- over twelve um, claims against this this music and all of them have been discounted. They've all they've all been released pretty quickly. Yeah. But UMG decided no, you, actually we think that you don't have a, a license for it and we're good, and if you want to fight it, you've got to go to court over it. Oh, geez, so geez. I um what I did so was the, how I, did that how did that impact the the Google Hangout though. So what's happened is I was going to ignore it because I thought, you know what, screw this. I'm I'm not going to court. I can't afford to hire a lawyer and go to court over a yeah, five-minute video. Yeah, the time. Yeah. Yeah, right. All the all the stress. Right. Um. But then I uh, so I wrote an open letter to to Google. It's on my on my blog. If people want to see it, um, it's go to mbp.ac/olytg. Open letter to YouTube and Google. Um. And what what I've I've put it in there, screenshots of all of this fiasco, really. Uh, but then, because I've ignored this last claim, I went in to test that the Hangouts were okay for this weekend's um, 400th episode party, mm-hmm. and I get a message saying that you you can't have you can't hold a, a Hangout on air because you've got a strike against a copyright strike against your YouTube account. So yeah. So so basically they I'm getting screwed like 
from both sides. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, would they, not that you want to do this, but would they remove the strike and reinitiate your hangout on air privileges if you delete the video? Is that what they're trying no, to get you to you do? Can't, you, can't, you can't do that. Um, so so what, what, I, what I've done is, because of this, you know, if they take me to court, they can take me to court. I'm, I'm, I'm right. I've got a, I've got a license. Mm -hmm. The boss of the owner of Unique Tracks um, has actually signed me a license and made it available. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I, I bought that license three years ago. I'm totally have the rights to use the video, to use the music in the video. And so I'll fight it. If they want to take me to court, they can take me to court. Um, but the thing is, is that it's not going to happen probably um, within. Yeah, you know, they might just. If they've got any brains at all, and actually, you know, the robot doesn't obviously, but hopefully a person will come involved, will get involved soon. Yeah. If they've got any brains at all, they'll check it, they'll read through, and they'll realise that I've got a, I've got a legal license, and they're, and they've just been messing around. Uh, and no court in the land will, will accept the case anyway. So I don't think I've got anything to worry about. But the language is really strong, and it's scary. You know, you 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 get go over to try to try to um, fight for your rights. You know, you've paid good money for a license, and you see that you if you go continue with this, you have got to be prepared to go to court. They will sue you if they want to continue this. Jeez. And so it's it's scary, strong language. Um, but I uh, I've because of the the uh, you know because this stops me from creating hangouts on air. I've I've filled out the counter notification. It does say that it's going to take 10 to 14 days to um, for this to be cleared, even if they just get rid of the the strike. So I don't think I'm going to be in time for that, unless yeah, unless unless you have got an hour from 2:30 on uh, on Saturday. Um, I may actually, actually, you no. know what? I don't because Brooks Institute is having their commencement ceremonies yeah. in Santa Barbara for that. Yeah, well, if. If I can find someone that can create Hangouts on Air, uh, then I might still be able to do it. Otherwise, I'll postpone it. We'll have the yeah. party. Uh, you know, yeah. we'll have that party, but it just it's just going to be – it might have to be after it. Here's the let's, let's, talk, Sunday. Let's, talk, let's talk after, Martin, because I might be able to help you out. We'll see. There you go. Well, well you, yeah, that, that, that would be great. That would be great. But here's, here's the thing. Um, the sad thing is that Google's model for monetizing YouTube relies on people – infringing on copyrights they yeah. they what this what they're doing is basically they're finding people who mo the majority of people that put stuff on YouTube don't have a license they create a slideshow they go to their iTunes music library say oh this is a good track I'll just throw that on there mm -hmm. and then so these robots are probably doing a great job of finding tracks and the moment they find out that it's it's something that should be copyrighted then they'll start slapping ads everywhere I don't even monetize my videos on, on Google. I don't like to do that. Um, but they, so what they're doing is they're finding the majority of people that don't have a license and then slapping ads all over the videos and then they're making revenue from the ads. And I'm sure in the background that some of that goes back to the people who originally should have been making money from the license for yeah, the music. A couple of pennies, yeah. Right. And so, so you know, it's sad that their model is really based on the presumption that people will infringe on copyrights and yeah. you know so, so you know it, it, there's there's no there, there's currently no benefit at all in actually going off and and correctly licensing your music yeah well we're going to continue this discussion i want to so let us know how this plays out 
Cause, oh, for sure, yeah. Because you're gonna blog the whole thing, I'm sure, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not one for causing a fuss, but I just think that this is ridiculous. You know, the language is too strong, and and they're they're just, you know, they're being way overhanded. And I love Google. I mean, I I was I signed up for Google Plus in a hospital bed, having just had a brain tumor removed. I'm I'm wow. invested. You know, <laughs> you I, that and I, that is some loyalty right there. <laughs> yeah, it was it was the beta. I, I got a I received a an email from a friend in Google who who invited me to the to the beta. Mm. And I, I signed up in a hospital bed, and I've I support everything they do, but this I think that they've got totally wrong, uh, or they need to have a a better mechanism in place where people who do have an, a proper license can attach that license to the YouTube videos. So that, yeah. and and then the robots that go through looking for infringements should be able to check those license details. And if yeah. they've got a license, they should just leave it alone. It's been the bane of my life for the last year trying to sort out claims against this video, and it's driving me Jeez. crazy. Yeah, that's you know that whole thing is just a whole big argument for just using generic MIDI stock music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, well, you, you know what's going to happen, and and I didn't want to do this because I like the publicity that the audience that YouTube has brings, but I literally I I paid my hundred ninety nine dollars last night for a for a Vimeo. Pro account, mm -hmm. and all of my art videos from now on are going on Vimeo. Yeah, simple yeah. as that. Yeah. You know, and and I I I'm not too worried about the fact that I'll lose a few views because the majority of the views I want them on my website anyway. Sure. So yeah. you know, but uh, and, and I know I'm harping on about this. One last thing, what what, what <laughs> you should, should check happen? out Wistia by the way. But he's too. not bitter. I I have a Wistia account. Yeah. You have a what, Wistia account? <laughs> yeah. I, I'll check it out. But what should happen is that. If Google want, they need to. If they need to monetize it, they should create a pro account. It wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't automatically. Oh, allow, YouTube pro account. We totally need that. Yeah. Right. Mm. I mean, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. What it wouldn't. I mean, it, it, I don't say that people could pay money and then just use pirated music. Yeah. Because that's not. That's not the point. But but at least it would remove the incentive for them trying to penalize people that have got legal rights to use music. Right. I, I would gladly pay a couple of hundred dollars a year for a pro account where I can put my stuff up on there and they don't have to can be concerned about monetizing my videos. Right. And you know, right. Cuz you've already monetized I've, it. For I've them. already paid it for. Yeah. 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 But at the moment Vimeo's got my money and and I'm going to be moving everything over there. All right. Well, we'll so keep I've, an I've eye on the story. I've got a I've got a really bad punny punny moral of the story if you want. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> Don't shoot the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Mart or you go, Martin that. shot the moon and missed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's continue with the story. We still have news to talk about. Before we jump in, I want to thank one of our sponsors for this week uh, of This Week in Photo, and that is Shutterstock. This episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com with over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. If you're looking for images for your website, blog, print ad, trade show swag, or even apps, Shutterstock is the way to go. Over 10,000 new images are added each and every day. Shutterstock gives you a global image collection. You can find images from across the world to suit your project. You can choose between image packs 
and monthly subscription packages so you can choose whatever fits your needs and you never have to make a compromise. Plus, if you need just one image for your blog or mock-up, you can just buy that too. You can download any image and any size and pay only one price. They don't nickel and dime you for high-resolution images. If you need them, you can take them. You can easily curate and share images and pictures via light boxes. You can choose your favorite pictures or videos, add them to your own light box gallery as you search, and you can also use your iPad to do this. So the list goes on and on of the things that Shutterstock lets you do. You can sign up for free. Just go over to Shutterstock.com, grab a free account. You don't need a credit card. Then when you find the images that you like and you decide to purchase, be sure to use the offer code TWIP. 12 to get 30% off any package. Once again, that's Shutterstock.com and use the offer code TWIP12. And we thank Shutterstock for their support of This Week in Photo. All right, guys, let's jump into the news. Story number one is, I guess, a continuation of some news that we've been reporting on a couple of times earlier this year, and that's regarding the Chicago Sun-Times. You guys remember that whole story about them getting rid of their professional photography staff and, oh, too well. Yeah, and instead training the reporters to use iPhones and that sort of thing to, to do the photography and the whole backlash that they, they hit. Well, they have, uh, it looks like they're rehiring four staff photographers or real photographers. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a bunch of other pieces to this that's in the story. But I just want to put that in there and just sort of rehash the story with you guys first. Darlene, let's start with you since you, you, are, you are kind of. Well, no, you are. <laughs> you you are the managing <laughs> editor now of the digital photography school. So you're an editor looking at this story from one of your sister kind of entities out there, the Chicago Sun-Times, which may not have as much circulation as DPS. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Definitely not as much reach, you know. Definitely not as much reach. But what do you think about that? First of all, the story when it first broke and they were saying, okay, you know, off with the photographers. We don't need those pro photographers. So that was the first step. Then the second step was them bringing them back on. What do you, what do you think about the whole nugget? Well, the whole original move was, was ridiculous. I mean, like, how can you produce news and, and quality imaging in a newspaper? I think there was, there was an article that came out or you linked to when we did the last one because um, there was a comparison of their their front page before with pro photographers and the front page after. Yeah, it and it horrible. was embarrassing. <laughs> it was embarrassing. So yeah. how can you call yourself a news agency and not have – I mean, you might as well fire all your writers and then, you know, go get stuff off of Facebook and Twitter. Like, what's – you know what's the point, right? I think, I mean, they. I think they were. Uh, it's clearly it was an act of desperation of some kind in their part. Yeah. But I mean, this is not hiring four of them back. I don't know. It just seems like sort of a. I don't know. And it, and it says and it, it they reached an agreement with the union to rehire four staff photographers right. and provide compensation yeah. in the form of right. two thousand each, two thousand dollars each for the other twenty four photographers who were let go. Well, $2,000. That's an insult, you know? I mean, their kid needs braces. That's not even going to pay for anything. But Yeah, you can buy some Christmas you know, gifts. You know, if someone if, if they offered me $2,000, I'd, I'd go out and buy 200 tons of horse crap and dump it on their doorstep. <laughs> That's awesome. Really. You, know, you know, there's a website. Mark, you are frisky in this show, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like this, Martin. <laughs> 
Uh, man, don't man. piss him light, off. Would you light it on fire, Mark? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, so, man. so there's a website. Um, there's a there's a nice version, and then there's a nasty version. So you can actually mail poop, and they will actually <laughs> mail like elephant or gorilla poop. You can choose the kind of poop that you want to mail. Shut so, up! I need no. that. Yeah, I I put the link in the chat. You can. Do you want me to screen share? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> But we'll link to it from the blog post. Okay. Well, and there's so a nasty... If you're listening and you're looking for the perfect Christmas gift, Darlene, <laughs> Darlene has it for you. Hey, it was Martin's idea. I just gave him the means. There you go. <laughs> wow. Jeez. All right. Okay, cool. Martin, what about you? What, what do you think about this? I want to see those boxing gloves. You know? <laughs> Uh, no, I I uh, I think that it's it's totally you know the the rehiring it's a, it's just uh, they've given into the pressure from the union. Um, I I think the whole idea as as Darlene was saying you know it's just there's no way you can create a quality newspaper with quality articles without a a professional photographer to you know or at least a a team of dedicated skilled photographers to go out and capture the images. I think yeah. that you'll, you know, you'll get, you'll get the odd, the odd um, reasonable photo, and and the iPhone is is a, it's got a good camera in it. It is. Um, yeah. So so I mean, it's not as though everything's going to be crap, but it's that what's going to happen is is that a lot of stories don't happen in beautiful daylight, and you know that you're going to end up with grainy images that come in from from the um, the evening, you know, as soon as the sun goes down. You can't get you you can't really get quality images and um but it's not even it's I not even just the quality it's not even the, that the image is technically correct it, you know yeah, it's exposed I mean there's it's the whole the moment it's everything yeah I mean it's, it's the art of taking the photos the composition exactly. and lighting and and yeah. all that stuff so so, so I mean uh, even even assuming that the that there's someone that knows how to take a, a photograph behind the iPhone you still can't you know it's just it's just not going to work. It was never going to work. Yeah. Um, but as as Darlene said, I think there's a certain amount of desperation behind there. It, it was. It may well have been that it's either that or we just we just close the newspaper down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the two thousand dollars is is just a, an insult. And uh, and I I just think that it's you know it's it's sad. I think that they you know I feel for them in some ways because obviously they're under a lot of pressure. Yeah. Uh, the pre- the pressures from from the new the new age of of you know everyone can report now. Um, yeah, the, written... the pressure was initially because you, uh, who was it on one of the the previous shows was talking about the newspapers themselves. Most of their revenue comes from classified ads, mm-hmm. and Craigslist stole mm-hmm. that lunch and ate right. it. And you know, <laughs> long right. a long time ago, the lunch the classified ads lunch got eaten. And now, yeah. Martin, like you say, the news gathering is the next piece of it. You know, it was right. like, okay, newspapers are where the news, the real news happens. Now everyone is a journalist, and anyone can report the news, and anyone mm. can can distribute their story to millions of people from their phone or from wherever they happen to be. Right. So, yeah. D- does anyone know if these guys actually have a digital version? Do they have a like an iPad version or anything like that? I don't know. Or, or is it a physical newspaper? What I was thinking was, I mean, we, we have a newspaper here. It's a national Japanese newspaper. And we rely on dead trees to have it delivered to us. Mm-hmm. And my wife's not that computer literate, and she's the main one that reads the newspaper. But, you know, she likes to open up the paper and put, lay it on the table and read it. But 
um, you know, she's she's got some problems back at her home at the moment. Her dad's not very well, and she's having to spend like a week a month in Fukushima um, at, at her home, her family home. Mm-hmm. And um, she's not getting to read the newspaper, but if she had an iPad with her, she can actually read it anywhere she wants to. Yeah. And the, the point is, is that the majority of people now are going for digital. We don't want to kill trees, mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, and if a, a national newspaper, there's incentive to actually go digital. I'm not sure if everyone, you know, if there would be enough money behind, you know, if enough people would actually want to subscribe to the Chicago, what is it, Sun-Times? The Sun-Times, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if there's enough money to even monetize it digitally. Um, yeah. But but that's the problem. People are getting their news in much different ways now. So I do feel for the for the company for for newspaper companies and people that are trying to make a living, trying to make a business work based on a a, a nineteen you know a nineteenth century or whatever model. But, uh, of... Some of it, when I look at it, and I, I used to work at a newspaper, the the, the San Jose Mercury News here, mm-hmm. and when I when I look at this story stories like this, we saw the. The, the people that I was working with at the time, they've all dispersed and gone to other companies. Mm-hmm. But we kind of saw the writing on the war, war, wall back then, and it kind of yeah. felt way back then. We're talking like a decade ago or more. Mm-hmm. It felt like bailing water on the deck of the Titanic in some cases. You yeah. know? So it's, yeah. And then you look at, you know, we'll call it attrition, as, as a certain age group gets older and, and leaves the planet, and the younger age group comes in, mm-hmm. Newspapers are going to be like CDs and LPs and reel-to-reel tape and you know <laughs> and mm. that yeah. sort of thing. Are they? Yeah. Do you guys? I mean, what do you what do you both think? Like in say ten years or less, are newspapers are these just going to be like? Oh yeah, you remember those things? Yeah, they used to, used to put mm. ink on paper and mm. deliver it to the house. You remember those yeah. days? Well, look <laughs> at magazines are going the same way, right? I mean, how many yeah. magazines? Like I just bought National Geographic uh, for kids for my nephew for Christmas. So yeah. I hope he's not. Hope he's not listening. Surprise. Thanks, Archie. But I mean, that's you know for their iPad, right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, I mean, like I, I stayed with a lady that works with with DPS, Jasmine, and I stayed at her home in Australia. And their kids, when they hit grade three, they have to have an iPad to go to school, mm. right? It's mandatory. So it's like, yeah, everything. An iPad specifically or a tablet? Yes, it has no, to be an, an iPad, iPad specifically. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, you go Apple. And, yeah, you go Apple. So, I mean, uh, yeah, they got to the schools, right? But, I mean, the digital age, like I was thinking about, like, TV even, right? How has TV changed? How many people actually pay for cable and not, you know, Netflix or download their television or, you know, like like we do because, like, they put it out there for you to watch. They don't care if you watch it on TV or, or take it from their website or watch it streaming or whatever but you don't get the commercials when you do mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. And so they have other ways now. If you watch these TV shows, it's all product placement, right? I mean, watch The Voice, right? How much Starbucks can they possibly drink? Right, you right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I know. I need some product placement on this show. <laughs> See? There you go. <laughs> I need something. What can I product place into it? Can? Yeah, yeah I know. Hey, how about uh, big pins? There you go. <laughs> yeah. How about cool microphones? Cool, yeah. yeah. Heil, this is the Heil. By the way, this is the Heil Thin. In case you're wondering, it's from it's a it's a mic. I mean, it's not that expensive. I think it's around two hundred bucks, and it has LED lights in it that 
<laughs> I think you should hold it up a little and do like your your best Vanna, and we'll just yeah, I know, the people I know. listening. I need to get. I'm waiting on my. I need a, a shock mount for this thing to be delivered so that you don't hear all my. See, like when I, yeah, you can hear all my desk noise when I when I yeah. touch anything that's near the mic. So I gotta like mm. be hands off, which is you know, <laughs> it makes me pay attention. So it's all good. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Um, so sometimes let's move on. Story number two. This is a quick one, I think. So Nikon, um, the they released a firmware update that is supposed to address a battery issue, and it ended up having an unintended consequence of rendering some third-party batteries useless. And it also seemed to render some of the Nikon batteries use, useless when used in third-party camera grips. So Nikon batteries used in third-party camera grips were useless or were broken and third-party batteries used on the cameras and it affected the D3100, the 3200, the D5100, 5200 and the 7700. So I don't think this was, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me wants to say, yeah, they're they they are losing revenue. So they decided to, to turn that spigot off for these third parties. I don't think that's the case, but the, the real question I think is, the, the fact that this did happen, what does it say about like third-party accessories for your cameras? Martin, I know you're, you're out in the field a lot, and you have a lot of money invested in gear. Third-party pieces, like third-party batteries, if you go on Amazon, you can get, like, you know, I've got Wasabi chargers and batteries and, you know, all kinds of third-party things for my mirrorless What's cameras that? that are cheap, but... Am, am, am I going to be screwed if they issue a firmware update, <laughs> you know, kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Or in other words, does it make more sense to just wait and buy the OEM gear? Yeah, I, I've got, I've got two opinions on this, two con conflicting opinions. That uh -oh. the first, the first one comes from, <laughs> comes from my own tendency to only buy the ma the manufacturer's brand stuff. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I wouldn't even consider buying a third party battery for my cameras. Oh, um, wow. They just I for buy me, them all the time. <laughs> for, for me, I, I just I want to know that it's made to work with that particular camera. And yeah. um, you hear stories of, of third-party brands going up in flames and things like that. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, yeah, good, good for Nikon. But the other, the conflicting side of this is that I do understand that that not all third-party uh, battery brands are going to go up in flames and and there are a lot of the, there are a lot of companies out there that have invested big dollars in in research and development to make them pro make a proper trusted trustable third uh, you know third party battery mm -hmm. and i think that it, if it was a a move on nikon's side to to block that that part of the market then then shame on nikon mm -hmm. um but i uh, i don't know i mean it's I'm kind of thinking, you know, so what? It's it's a it's a Nikon uh, it's Nikon stuff. They, if they they've got the right to do that, if they really wanted to. But the other mm -hmm. side of me is saying they they they've got the right to do it. Fair enough. But it's not it's not on. It's uh, you know, I think if, got, if it's even done if on they purpose, do, if they do have the right to do it, I'm sure when you buy the thing in the in the manual, it probably says in somewhere yeah. in there, yeah. don't use third party. Use only right. original OEM gear in here. And right. if you if you don't and it explodes and avoids a warranty, yada yada yada. So I, I get yeah. that piece, but what I what I worry about is, you know, I don't know. It's just like yeah, I worry about if it is nefarious and it's on their side and they decided to turn it off. It kind of almost seems like you're grasping for straws. I mean, like really, yeah. the batteries. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, really. I mean, we like people need to buy. You know, what if what if a third party manufacturer figured out a way to make batteries really cheaply and they're a third the price of the Nikon gear, which is overpriced mm. to begin with, 
right. you know, and so you go over there and buy it because you're going on a trip with Martin or Darlene somewhere in a workshop and you want to have 15 batteries with you because you're going to be mm. gone for a while. And that's the only way you can afford to get them. Now, mm. boom, you're, you're sitting on your, you know, on your computer the night before. I'm going to make sure my camera's up to date. I'm going to update it. Boom, now all your batteries are dead. You yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. really? I mean, come I, on. I, uh, I agree. I mean, it, it's, it's not right. I, I think it could just be, let's hope that it's just a case of all of the Nikon testing was done with, with their own brand. I'm sure they don't go out and try to test their gear with, with third-party stuff. It could be yeah. a... It could be a case of a developer that decided that the firmware, oh, it's going to be fine to do this. Um, you know, there's some very closed-minded developers out there. Yeah. Um, and so I'm hoping it's just an oversight or a, an, a, a badly formed assumption. And uh, hopefully it'll, there'll be another firm, firmware release that just removes that, yeah, that block so. and, every, and everyone can get their batteries back. Yeah. I mean, it, it does say that it's actually breaking some batteries. I would hope that it's not breaking them. It's just breaking how they look to the camera. Uh, yeah, um, I think it's just, yeah, it's just the camera doesn't see them. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm I'm in your camp, Frederick. Like I've been using them for years, mm -hmm. and like I mean, a lot of my students, you know, they're beginners or whatever. Especially when I tell them, okay, we're gonna go out and do night photography, and you should have an extra battery because it eats a lot of batteries at night. Or yeah, you're going on a tour, you want to have at least two batteries minimum. You know, you don't want to travel to some place and then have your battery die because what are you gonna do? You can't go to the drugstore and get another one, right? Right. Yeah. So. I mean, I tell them get another battery. If they can't afford the brand name, whether it's Nikon or Canon or whatever, then the off-market ones are, are an option. If you look at them, I mean, I have them side by side. Like, they look so exactly the same except mm. for that sticker on the back, you know? Yeah, but that's that's deceptive, right? I mean, the yeah, inside it, it could, is, be, right. could be TNT in there. Exactly, <laughs> right. because they reverse engineer it or whatever. Yeah. But I actually found that the um, – I have some ProMaster ones, which is off-market, but it's a pretty good off-market. You know, it's, mm -hmm. well, it's a well-known brand. And uh, I find that they actually last longer than my Canon branded batteries. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Martin, I know what you're thinking, Martin. You're like, yeah, it lasts longer until it explodes in your camera. And now you don't have a camera <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah. But Martin, have you ever seen that? Like, have you ever physically, have you known anybody that's had a third party battery that has damaged their gear or has, has otherwise stopped working even? I, I've seen people turn up on workshops with third party batteries that don't last anywhere near as long as they should. But, mm -hmm. but on the other hand, you know, I mean, I've got a couple of Canon batteries for my my cameras that I've had for so long now that they don't hold a charge, and it, and that person could be in exactly the same situation. Yeah. I think it. What, what the the thing is is that you just need to buy a trusted brand, and and if you go to a a camera store that that is offering these things, there's probably going to be two reasons, two possible reasons why they're doing that. One is because the battery. The, you know, you get you get a lot of like you get a second free battery, and it's usually a a, a third-party manufacturer. It's probably because there's some sort of a deal. There's there's higher commission on the on the third-party batteries than the, than the manufacturer brand batteries, and mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's a, there's money changing hands to to make that happen. Um, but also, you know, they are made much more cheaply, and so I I think it's that a balance, though. I think I mean, yeah, they're made cheaply, but. You can right. you, you can buy six of them for the price of one. Well, <laughs> right. I, I, I can tell you for sure that that is the case because I did work at a camera store. Um, mm. That was my you know last part time job, and yeah, right. that absolutely is the case. You know the off market stuff has more markup. 
But if right. you go to, um, I don't know if they have an American version of this, but if you go to like batdepot.ca, which is Canadian website, so the the Canon batteries for the 5D are about what 120 bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, on the website for Bat Depot, 15 bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, a perfect example is today. I actually I had some Amazon credit, so we we wanted it's it's cold. We're in Canada. It's it's bloody mm-hmm. cold up here, right? We were <laughs> minus minus 38 it's, with the wind chilled Celsius last. It week. was 60 Celsius. here today, Darlene. It's cold in California too. It, <laughs> but so I went on Amazon to buy, are you ready for it, an electric blanket, okay? So I'm yeah. looking at all these reviews, and I was going to buy this this one that was, you know, 20 bucks less or whatever, and I decided to get the Serta one, which is the brand, right, because the, the negative reviews on the other one talked about, you know, the wires fraying, there was a, a burn mark, there was something. So I was like, I don't want to burn up in my bed, so mm. I'm going to get the brand name in mm. that case, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that that's actually the second part of what I was about to say is that yeah. the other the other part of the thing when you go in a store and they give you a a spare battery from a from a third party brand that is that they they're the store is obviously trusting that brand enough to offer it to their customers. So, I think that the main the moral of the story is is just if you're going to buy third party, try to buy stuff that's made by a, a repute you know a, a respected and a trusted company. Um, and if you do that, then I don't think it's such a big deal. Personally, I never buy the the the. I I always get Canon Canon stuff for my camera. But see, we're not we're not giving the we're not giving the listeners any definitive advice right. here because on the one actually we are because it's two against one, Martin. So Darlene, yeah. and I so you guys say, win. You've been outvoted, Darlene. We're and I the say, cheapos. Yeah, use we're, them we're the cheapos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. And you have a look at your camera ma- camera manual though, and it also says use like Canon. PL filters, polarizer filters. Who yeah. buys Canon polarizer Thank filters? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Use only yeah. certified Canon lens caps. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, obviously for me, there's there's a there's a line. I always buy the batteries mainly because I mean, the part of the reason is just that they don't you don't see that many third party batteries here in Japan as well. It's not really even an option for me. So I'm not the best person to talk about that part. But yes. I, Look at that when, disclaimer. When, the disclaimer at the end of the rant. You hear that, Darlene? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, I don't buy them. Not because I don't like it, but I can't. I can't get them. <laughs> I, I, no, I can, I can get them, but they're just not obvious. It's not yeah. The stores don't push them here and stuff like that. You know, yeah. So it's it's a different market. Um, yeah. But whenever there's a choice, and it and I know that there's no difference uh, in that. In fact, I would say that the, the, the brand of filters that I do buy is probably better than the Canon ones. So... Right. You know, you don't have to listen to the manual. And uh, I got to tell you, I do miss. Is is Yodobashi camera still around? It is. Yeah. yeah. I miss. I, that was like. That was like. Uh, you know, that was the place yeah. to go when I was when I was in Tokyo. Yeah, they're they're still good. I mean, I I visit Yodobashi quite regularly, um, and then I walk down the street to Map Camera and buy there because it's twenty percent cheaper. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're still there. It's a good store. You know, they yeah. they've got a got a huge range. I was I was active duty military, so we would just go to the store to look at all the stuff that we couldn't buy. 
So it was, <laughs> it was really, it was interesting and depressing at the same time. Then we get on the train and go back to the base. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Frederick, like there's, I mean, we could talk batteries and stuff, and Martin mentioned filters and things, but we could also go third party. I mean, there's lenses, right? Like Tamron, yeah. you know, um, Tokina, Sigma. I mean, Tamron and Sigma are making some really good lenses, and they've got really super high ratings. So That's a really good point. And we had, we had Sigma, I believe was Sigma, on the show. Maybe it, it was, was last. Year. Yeah. yeah, and and we had him on the show, but unfortunately we weren't able to get deep because of you know, um, for various reasons. I won't go into it, but he just wouldn't answer any questions. Well, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, but what the the point was of that the the discussion was centered around third party lenses versus OEM lenses, and with surrounded by the data from Borrow Lenses, who was saying that they don't buy third-party lenses, or at least they didn't at the time. I don't know if they do now or not, but they didn't buy third-party lenses at the time because they would just not last as long as the OEM lenses, and they wouldn't make their money because they make their money by renting them over and over again, not renting them five times and then you know, replacing them. So the, the OEM lenses would last a much longer than the third-party lenses. Now, the caveat to all that is... You're, most people aren't going to put lenses through the the rigorous multi-shipping and different people using them that borrow lenses is. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. Martin, you're going to say something? Well, the thing the thing to bear in mind there as well is that most Sigma lenses, I agree that the image quality is is good. They're mm -hmm. they're definitely up there, um, and they're a good alternative. But they're still a cheap alternative. And the biggest place that you'll see the difference is weatherproofing. If I mean I wouldn't right. I wouldn't buy a Sigma or a Tamron unless it was guaranteed to be weatherproof and and so far I'm not aware of any of them that are um, so for me you know when I'm I'm sitting in a in a Zodiac and a, and a wave comes over the top and I've got two cameras and lenses around my neck and they just keep working it's because they're Canon L lenses yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't even buy a non L Canon lens unless I knew I was never going to use it in in the field but Again, a disclaimer here. I'm, I'm, <laughs> the I'm the sort of, yeah, I'm, I'm the sort of person. I mean, I'm, I'm the, oh, my, my printer's shaking its inks around. Sorry about that. Um, I, I'm the sort of person that is, is out in the field doing this. I'm the five percent or the three percent of the, of the market. So if you don't need that weatherproofing, then they are a good alternative. The, yeah. the image quality is, is really, really good. No, Darlene. What about you? Do you where do you fall on the third party versus OEM? Uh, well, I'm actually was just looking at Bauer lenses while you were talking, and they do have Sigma and Tamron um, oh, okay. lenses for rent for the Canon mount. I don't know about for Olympus, but because I don't know yeah. if they make any. But um, I have a Tamron lens, and I, I have had Tamron in the past. Like I have their um, 17 to 35. It's an older one. They I, I'd like to get the new one because it's a 2.8. Mine is not, um, you know, a fixed aperture. But I've why, had why I've had no problem with it. Why specifically did you go with that lens? Because it was because cheaper. Because the Tamron lens was like six hundred bucks, and the Canon version was twenty six hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. at the time, I mean, I wasn't using it for for pro stuff, and mostly it's travel, you know, it's travel lens and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, would I like to have the Canon lens? Sure. Uh, I like the fact that it's also smaller and lighter, and so for most of what I'm doing now is travel and tours and stuff, I want to pare down. Like, I want to go down to the Olympus-sized cameras, not go something bigger. So for me, a lot of times, like, I mean, I went down from the 70 to 200 to 8 to the F4, right, because I wanted less bulk in my right. bag when I'm traveling. Right. Cool. Well, yeah, I think the, the bottom line to that that discussion is... 
you know, it's, I, there's nothing wrong with third-party lenses, I don't think. I think they're, they're awesome, and especially if you're budget-conscious, they make sense. But again, like Martin says, if you are in the trenches and you are getting hit by waves and tsunamis and, <laughs> you know, all this other stuff is happening, then you probably want to wait a little bit and buy the OEM lens just to be safe, especially if weatherproofing and, uh, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing is important. So, but yeah, you're gonna pay for it, right, darling? To the to the tune of maybe two grand more than you would you pay. Exactly. For, well, yeah. in some cases, I mean, there there's actually, um, I think it's is it the Sigma 8514 that's actually higher rated than some of the one two lenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. All this cool stuff to talk about. And speaking of cool stuff, we uh, God, we're almost at the end of the show, but we, I got to get this last piece in here, guys. This is important. Um, we're gonna do a quick roundtable discussion about what gifts that you guys want or that you want to suggest to the listeners or whatever. <laughs> so we're just a few weeks away uh, from holiday, from the holidays or from the uh, Christmas. We're actually through Thanksgiving already. So it's December 11th as we record this. And I want you guys to mention some of your photography-related picks to help, uh, help the listeners, you know, sort of give good things to the people in their lives that like photography or buy it for themselves. Like I'm buying my own stuff. I don't know. <laughs> so Darlene, what do you think? What's your, what would you uh, suggest out there for the photographer that wants to buy something for himself, him or herself or. Well, uh, I mean, it depends on the price range. So I've got, yeah. I've got a few things on my list. I price is them, no limit. Um, whatever. Price is no limit. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, a David Dushman workshop. No, I was. Um, hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah, or a Martin Bailey workshop. Mm-hmm. Or heck, just both. One, two. I'll do both. Yeah. Um, I put a couple of things in there. So Trey's got some fun stuff on his stuck in customs in his uh, his gear stuff. Um, I like his ca- ca- camera sutra T-shirt. Mm-hmm. So I put that. I thought that would be kind of fun to have. I don't know if you guys I have own seen that it or not. T-shirt, okay, by the there way. you go. See, okay. <laughs> um, it's always good to have your, you know, your nice lens mug, which is a good kind of, you know, twenty, thirty dollar price range. Yep. Um, you can get those on Photo Jojo, probably mm-hmm. other places too. Oh, Photo Jojo is the place. I mean, if you want to buy something for a photo nerd. Just go to photojojo.com and close your eyes and click on something and you'll get the right thing. <laughs> they should have a thing on the front page that is like like spin the wheel like for yeah. at, the, at Vegas, yeah. you know, pull the slot machine, That's take right. a I'm chance feeling and lucky. then buy, yeah. buy whatever you get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, now, another one I shared was, um, I'll put this in, I put this in the show notes, but there's a thing called a pixel stick. Have you guys seen this? No. What is that? Okay. Oh, you should go watch the video on this. I'm gonna do a screen share because this. Remember, thing, we're audio, you know, so you gotta oh, you gotta describe it. So I'll describe it, but I'll share this for. Can you guys can you guys see the screen? Uh, so not yet. Okay, so what this thing is is um, for people that like to do like light painting, right? Mm-hmm. What they've done is they've created like a fiber optic stick uh, that is programmable. So it has all these series of lights in it that you can, you know, wave around and, and it'll make patterns. You can actually like walk with it and it'll draw a picture for your camera. Like and so it's like it'll make you um like an a, a light picture in its three dimensions. Holy it's, I'm buying that. I know, right? <laughs> well it's a Kickstarter right now and they have thirty seven hours to go. They were they were wanting 110,000 bucks and they're at 587, so oh, it looks geez. like it's seriously a go. 587,000, so they've that's got five a, times more million. money than they asked for. You got to go nice. watch this video. Share this in the thing because oh, this is the coolest thing. I can't even remember where I saw it, but if you're looking at like, look at this thing, right? It makes like 3D. Oh light man, pictures, that is sick. Right? And <laughs> it, yeah. 
So All I, I right, don't know how much it's going to be. It's probably going to be a couple hundred bucks when they're available. But um, I went to go and, and you, if you spent enough money to back them, you would get one. But there was only, I think, like 40 or something available, and then it's gone now. It's like everything is sold out. So mm. now you just have to wait till it goes into production and get I'm one. But that's what, hey, that, I'm, I'm going to drop a twip <laughs> name. Darlene, Darlene, you and I can drop twip and DPS and uh, we'll just oh, say, hey, we want to evaluate do, I need to do a review. I need yes, a review. A review. Okay. <laughs> All right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, except that usually they want it back. That's yeah, what's wrong They can have it back. You know, as long as when they get the review unit back, the one that I purchased comes before that happens. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, we can pull some strings there. So yeah, that's guys, that's on my list. They, these guys have already got five hundred. They've they've already got half a million dollar plans. They don't need a review. They don't. Need a review. <laughs> True. Yeah, you're right, Martin. Thank you. Yeah, they don't. They don't need any more help. <laughs> but it's a, it is a very cool product, though. I'm 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 getting one of those. Those oh, yeah, videos. See? They're impressive. See? Impressive. Yeah. That's killer. I, I think you might win the pick of the week of the year Woo-hoo! award for that one. <laughs> Cool. All right, Martin, what do you, what do you got? What would you recommend to the listeners? So, so first, you know, the my the things that I would like. This is actually difficult difficult because I've got most of the stuff I already want. Um, mm-hmm. But if I if I literally as a wish list, if someone said we're going to buy you this, I would probably go for the Sony uh, Alpha Seven R or A Seven R, the oh, yeah. uh, the camera. And you really, Mr. DSLR? Just, what? Well, here's the, here's the thing. I mean, I, I just as Darlene was saying before, and we were talking when um, on the a couple of months ago or a month or so ago when I was I was on Twip with um, you and Doug K. Uh, I I remember us talking about this. You know, I mean, it's it's like just downsizing. I, I would I I would welcome being able to do certain shoots with smaller gear. Yeah. Um, but the the thing is, is that at the moment I can't I can't warrant buying extra gear and I know that I'd go and off and get lenses the next thing on my three of the things that I would like is a 24 24 to 70 f4 Carl Zeiss lens for the mm-hmm. for the Sony and the third thing was a Metabones adapter so that I could also put my Canon lenses on it that was the three things that I put on my wish list if that's someone said want. Martin that's what you would like to see exactly. in your stocking yeah if someone said to me Martin we're going to buy you a Christmas present or three they're the things I would probably ask for um, okay. Because I've already got everything that I want or need in the Canon range, and, and for the rest of my photography life, I've already got it. But as, if it was a present, I would probably go for something like that. Okay. Um, and I do have the other five. We you were talking about our top five, so I'll I'll mm-hmm. get to that. I'll get to that later. Or yeah, I don't, yeah, do it. Go, yeah, go, do your top five now. Okay. So the the top five, like these are these are things that someone might buy for a photographer friend, right? And mm-hmm. um, I would. Working kind of in um, in the the price, uh, you know, starting at the the highest downwards. I if that if find out you'd need to find out if your photographer friend already had these things. But if you had a whole bunch of money to spend, the first thing I would probably consider getting someone is a Drobo 5D and mm-hmm. fill it full of big drives and get the the M the the accelerator SSD because these things are great. You know, they're they're fast. I mean, I, I've actually just bought my second. Um, really, and that's wow. because my first one died. But that was, you know, that's a long story. And yeah. um, that was an old second generation Drobo. Um, so that's one. Um, the the really right stuff BH55 ball head is yeah. the best ball head on the market, if you ask me. Um, and I I think that 
it's one of those things that it, it's just that all really right stuff gear is engineered to perfection. It's work. They're all works of art. They're not just engineered pieces. Um, so you know, photographers love getting this stuff. Yeah. Um, but a, a bit of a disclaimer on that is that if you were to buy a photographer a ball head like that, they will then need a lens plate on a camera plate. There's other stuff that you'd need to buy. All so the other pieces. So, yeah. So don't just buy them one of those without thinking about that. Um, the other, the third thing on my list was a, an ND400 filter, uh, uh, basically an almost nine-stop filter, uh, neutral density filter. Uh, photographers can have hours of fun with those things, and you know, just really long exposures. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other thing, I'm going to hold it up, but I'm also going to explain it. The I mentioned this as a pick of the week a while ago. The Bergeon, B-E-R-G-E-O-N air blower. Um, these are just like amazingly cool. They they just look great. And they, this thing makes me happy just just being on my desk. Um, yeah, they're actually watchmakers' tools. They're they're not so much for photographers, but this is the the five seven three three version. They do a couple of different ones. This one is brilliant. Just the right size to fit in your pocket if you need it to, but it's powerful and and I love this air blower. Um, they're about fifteen dollars. They're not the cheapest air blower, but they're not they're they're pretty cool. Nice. And the last thing, number five, um, Craft and Vision, David Dushman's company. Uh, they have just today launched their new website. And oh, there's a new got, website. I didn't know they, about that. Take take a look. It looks great, and they've got a whole new e-commerce system behind it. And one of the things that I really, the timing couldn't have been better is that they're doing gift cards. So you can go in now and buy a $20, $30, $40, uh, $50 gift card for a friend and just send it to them. And then they can go away. The books themselves, of course, are $5 a piece. Um, there's, my two books are in the system, but of course, there's, there's a whole slew of, of incredibly high quality books from Craft and Vision. And you can gift you can gift them now with the gift cards. So this is an amazing stocking filler. For, uh, this is probably my pick of the week. Uh, I've I've got a different pick of the week, but you know if it wasn't, this would be it. So this Craft is cool. and Vision gift cards. I'm looking at the Craft and Vision site now. I clicked on the manifesto menu menu item, and uh, David's got a bunch of cool Craft yeah. and Vision wallpapers in there that you can download for free. That's cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the whole site's looking great. It, it looks really good. They've done a really, really good job of it. Cool. I didn't even know. Where have I been? In a box somewhere? I don't know. <laughs> it's, I don't know. You don't get the, I got the email. I well, uh, you've, yeah, I you've, you've got to... Um, it, yeah, the, the email's only just been sent out, but it's, okay. uh, it's also been... Yeah, they've been talking about it behind the scenes, but from today, it's going to be... Uh, it's, it's live, and they're, they're really rocking it over there. You know, I may have missed the email because I'm experimenting with a new email service thingamajigger called SaneBox. Have you guys heard of that? Yeah, you no. mentioned it before, yeah. Yeah, SaneBox. It uh, it looks at your, your email or your Gmail account and, and, and basically categorizes things for you and only puts the important things in your inbox so that instead of getting like 50 emails in the morning or 100 when you wake up, you only have 10 or so of your most important ones, and the other ones are categorized into oh. read it later, or this is just a newsletter, you can read it when you have time, or this is spam, or whatever. And it does a great job, but I'm in the first three days of using it, 
So you have to like oh, yeah. train it a little and yeah, tell it, yeah. no, this really is important, and do that. Yeah. But after that, it's it's good to go. So. See, that's interesting because um, my my DPS email comes in through through Gmail, mm -hmm. and I've not I, I get it in my Mac mail though. Like I pull it into my Mac mail program. Yeah. And there's an important folder now and I was like what the mm. heck is that and pretty much everything is in there so now what am I going to do <laughs> try sanebox I'm telling you it's a you know I would well, not I have uh... two more I have two more on my gift list so I don't do that yeah yeah go for it okay. go for it um, well, like Martin, like the gift of education is uh, anything educational I would second craft and vision is a great resource DPS also has ebooks as well Mm -hmm. um, and they also have another website that maybe not everybody knows about. Are you familiar with Snappin' Deals? No. What is that? Ah, it's also run by um, Darren Rouse and, and the DPS team. I'll put it in the notes and I'll, I'll put it in the chat thing. But basically it's um, a, a deal that comes up sort of like Groupon for photographers, right? So it's like right now there's um, actions, right? So there's actions on sale. Regular price is 75 bucks on for 29 um, and then whatever comes up, you know, after that kind of thing. But then we also have, um, like, DPS has the 12 Days of Christmas. So if you want to get in on that, just sign up to get emails on the DPS website, and you'll get an email every day with the new special um, as they come out in the in the weekly newsletter. And you there'll be items in there that will be on special as well. So if you want if you want specials, and then of course you could buy my new course as well. Cool. So I'll put so, the link in. I'll put the link in for the snapping yeah, deals. Like put that in yeah. the show notes. Um, and then my other pick was um, the capture clip camera system. Have you seen mm. that one? The capture clip is that the one that like shoots photos all the time? No, it's no, a I've... it's a like a uh, clip for your camera, so you attach it to your uh, strap of your backpack. It's oh. the one um, I was showing. I was showing that with the last last month when I was on here. It's that clip oh. system itself. Okay, yeah. yeah, 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 I remember that. And so that was uh, one of our DPS writers did a review on it recently, and, and of course I have to read everything that goes on the site now. Like I'm yes. literally reading everything, so I'm going to learn so a lot. So you're in the know. <laughs> I am going to know everything. I'm going to be reading all the reviews, everything. So I read this review, and then I got to the end, and I went, damn, I want one of these things. <laughs> <laughs> but I did find cool. out that one of our local shops carries it, so I might just go and uh, pick one up. All right. Well, cool. We got lots of good choices. Know. See, we just made everyone's Christmas list. You know, we, we <laughs> did all the work. All you can do is sit in front of your computer, click around, take your credit card out, and you're done. Love mm. it. All right, guys. Uh, before we continue into, we're gonna do the. Just gonna jump directly into the picks of the week. Um, so you guys have to pick more stuff to recommend. Um, before we do that, I want to thank another one of our sponsors for this week's show, and that's Squarespace. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP12. And Squarespace has many templates that have beautiful full bleed image display, which are perfect for photographers and designers to showcase their work. Plus, they've got hundreds of customizable settings, including fonts, colors, sizes, and every Squarespace website can be made to look unique with just a few clicks. And Squarespace is constantly improving their platform with new features. They've got new designs and even better support. Plus, they have got beautiful designs for you to start with and all the style options you need to create that unique website for your business. And it's incredibly easy to use. If you want some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day 
seven days a week. And if you need commerce, they've integrated that too to work with every Squarespace template. It allows for both sales of physical and digital goods. For example, you can sell music CDs or MP3s, hardcover books, or even eBooks. And digital goods are delivered via a customized email link that will expire 24 hours from delivery. So if you're sold, you can start your trial right now with no credit card. All you need to do is head over to squarespace.com. Then when you get there, use the offer code TWIP12 to get 10% off and to show your support for This Week in Photo. And we'd like to personally thank Squarespace for their support of our show. Squarespace, it's everything you need to create an exceptional website. All right, guys, let's jump into the Picks of the Week segment. Remember, you guys can pick anything to recommend to the listeners as long as it is somehow related to photography. Martin, I'm going to let you go first. What is your pick of the week? Yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm going to mention another Kickstarter project. We uh, Last week on my podcast, I interviewed a person called Nick Foxton, Nicholas Foxton, from the One Tree in a Billion project. Mm-hmm. And this, this basically, it's a group of three photographers from the UK who are going to go into the Peruvian Amazon and for two months photograph all of the wildlife from the minutia to the to jaguar and puma, and they're all of the wildlife that that evolves around one tree in what's what's actually almost four billion trees, and there's a thousand of these things being cut down every minute. And so what they're what they're doing is they they are trying to raise awareness of the fact that you know due to illegal gold mining and and deforestation we're losing a hell of a lot of of the um, the the trees in the Amazon and they uh, they're, they're raising awareness they're going to be doing school road shows to in in the UK hopefully in the US as well there's a whole bunch of stuff that they that these guys are planning to do if they can get this funded and it's a Kickstarter project. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to give the, uh, the URL for the interview that I did last week, which is mvp.ac slash 399. Put that in the notes. Make sure we have that. I, it's Yeah, I'll, I'll put okay. that in. Um, but it's, uh, that basically is the interview. But then if, if you don't need to listen to the interview, you just want to go over to Kickstarter, then there's a link at the bo- in, in, the, in the blog notes there. You can go over to the Kickstarter from that as well. But it's a good interview. We spoke for about 50 minutes, and um, Nick is—he's got his—he's got his head screwed on right. You know, they—they they, the three of them are going to be going over, um, hopefully not getting bot flied, and uh, <laughs> yeah. have to have to take those out. But uh, yeah, Ugh. it's it's a it's a worthy project, and I'd love to see it uh, funded. Uh, but they do need you know they do need some more pledges. So if anyone's interested, that'd be great to help them. We'll out. definitely we'll definitely link to that from Twip. So, Mark, the quick question, darling, before we move on to you, what you you shortened your URL mbp.ac. What's that? What? Why ac? It, well, the the main reason is is because I could just I was able to grab that that short URL. It's like five characters with and then the the period. Yeah. But ac is for academy. It's the Martin Bailey oh. Photography Academy. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Got it. Well, Got that's it. at least that's how I use it. Um, See, my, my shortened my short URL is more narcissistic. Is it's fvj.me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, the thing is, is just that those short three characters is a great URL, and it's it's good for using for shortening links. So I all of my podcasts are listed as mbp.ac/slash and then the podcast number. Sweet. So, yeah, that's cool. 
Cool. Less is more. All right, All right. Darlene, what is your pick of the week? Uh, so I'm going to pick myself, actually. Speaking <laughs> of narcissism. <laughs> yeah, so might as well carry on with that thread, you know. I'm going to so. give you guys something wonderful. <laughs> it's me. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to invite the listeners to come to Nicaragua with me. I have four spots left. I have eight people already booked, so we're going no matter what. Um, it's February, let me get the dates right, February 25th to March 7th, so it's 11 days, 10 nights, and for 1650 bucks, I can't discount this for TWIP, sorry, because it's already like <sighs> super discounted because this is like, it's a recon mission, we're going there scouting, and they're going to be part of the scouting mission, but um, along with what Martin said, like we're going there to um, stay in the local town, we're staying in a small place, we're going to be doing work with a school, we're probably going to paint the school with the kids, play soccer with them, you know, help them with their schoolwork, we're going to work with the women's group and their gardening and things like that. Um, my husband's really excited about that because he's an avid gardener and, you know, into horticulture stuff, yeah. and then we're actually going to go into um, Chinandega where they have these people that live and work in the garbage dump. Like they go and they pick garbage to make a living. And I mean, there's a lot of places like that in the world that are very sad, but um, yeah. you know, we're going to try and go and do some good as well as going to take pictures, right? So I'm sure we're going to take pictures along the way and we'll have a great time, you know, beach photos and sunset. And we might even get to do like some fire spinning or something on the beach and um, some really cool stuff. So That's yeah, cool. I'd love them to come along with us and, um, it's just herviewphotography.com slash Nicaragua. Awesome. Love it. Cool. Lots of cool stuff going on. And my, my pick is, uh, is geez, see, your, your, both of your picks are selfless, and mine is selfish. <laughs> mine is the DJI Phantom Vision 2. Have you guys seen this thing? Tell me you, you've seen it. Only when you is texted it the, the me or sent it to me, yeah. It's not a helicopter. It's a quadcopter. <laughs> no. Come on, Mark. Oh, yeah, yeah. Quad, that's the one. Yeah. Yes, there are four rotors on this thing, and it's remote control. Oh, wow. Anyway, you, the listeners have probably heard of these things. It's a drone, although you're not supposed to call them drones. It's a drone that has a camera on it that you control, and you can see what it sees through your iPhone and take 16-megapixel pictures and HD video, and it's got GPS in it, and you can program it to do flight paths, and... It's insane. It's twelve hundred bucks though. It's not cheap. So it is uh, I'm I know a guy that is Santa. using one of those things. Not that exact one. I don't know if he's using that exact one, but I know a guy who's using that thing to take aerial photos of businesses and yeah. then on spec and then sell them to the businesses. And that's yeah. he's making a living doing that. And mm -hmm. don't tell on him because that's illegal right now. <laughs> so, is that <laughs> no, Well no, you're in Canada. I don't know what it is if it's if it's uh, legal he's in not Canada. he's not he's not in, in the US either. Okay, yeah, in the United States it's illegal because it's, uh, I don't know if it's illegal, it, it's not legal at least to, to use them for commercial purposes at this point. So we're, yeah. trying to, we're trying to figure all that out. But if you want to use it for non-commercial, say, so that same person could use it, do some photos of the business, and then say, you know, the guy paid him for some advice or something <laughs> along, along with the images, that would work. Right, okay. right. Uh, you know, under the table. Anyway, I'd, that's my I'd thing. like to change my, my wish list. I want one uh -oh. of these Phantom 2s. You want that, right? Can you <laughs> yeah. imagine snow monkeys with that, Martin? Come oh, on. yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and they'd, be the reaching, they'd be reaching up for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be hey, an amazing... Hey, you, you should talk to the guys at Bower Lenses and see if they can get one, and then you can rent it. I wonder. You know, I would... I That'd be a stretch, because I'm sure people would crash that thing. Yeah, like, I suppose. Day one. There's yeah. a learning curve on flying it, so... Yeah. 
All right, guys, we're at the end of the show. Uh, remember, listeners, there's an interview at the very end of the show. It's with a photographer. His name is Steve Brokaw. He's a he's a guy that I think represents a lot of the listener base out there. He's a guy that loves photography and does it on the side while also being happily employed in a day job. So if you and he's an amazing photographer, shoots models, he's got a studio, all that stuff. So if you want to find out how he does it and how potentially you could do it too, definitely give that interview a listen. So Darlene Hildebrandt, where are you at online? Where would you like people to go to keep up with you and all the stuff you're up to? Um, mostly I'm on Google Plus, and uh, hey, I got the coveted Thomas Hawk follow back. The what? So, the Thomas Hawk photo bag. Follow back. How he follows you back. Oh, so he you did. Circled me. Yes, he finally. Because you're me. not you're not watermarking any of your images, right? <laughs> I guess not. Maybe or maybe because I'm managing it. I don't know. <laughs> but, nice. Uh, but yeah. So Google Plus. You can find me on Google Plus. You can find me on my website. And uh, actually, one thing I would actually like to say to the Twip listeners, because I put this in the Google Plus community for Twip is as the managing editor, which is why I have that hat on now at the bottom there, mm -hmm. we're, we're always looking for great new articles, right? So if somebody happens to be a skilled photographer who also is a skilled writer, you have to do both well, like be a teacher um, and be able to explain things and so on. If you're interested in writing for DPS, um, it's it's a really good gig. Um, send me, send me just go through the website and say I'd, there's a little link that says I'd like to write for DPS. And it comes to me, and I'll I'll tell you all about what's involved. What's the uh, what's the article length, generally? Um. Well, right now, anywhere. I mean, we say sort of 400 words and up, but anywhere sort of from there to 1,500 words as a single article. Okay. okay. Um. But it just depends on you know how in depth you want to go. I find that I start mine out thinking they're going to be 600, and then they be they end up be 1,500 because I keep explaining you know and yeah. more samples. Um, yeah. It's hard to write less. Yeah. It is. It is. But I mean, it's a it's a teaching website, so we want people to get something out of the articles, and um, you know, it's good exposure for whoever wants to to write an article and, and appear, because it's it'll show up on your Google authorship page as well that you write uh, for DPS. Cool. Thanks for putting that out there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, send yeah, me an article, we'll, Frederick. I will. On on how what is it? Not quadcopter photography. There you no, go. No, mine will be on marketing. <laughs> it'll be on uh, marketing for photographers. That's that's my hidden love right there. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming on again, um, Darlene. And what about you, Martin? What about you? Where would you like people to go to keep up with you? And more specifically, like we're talking about at the top of the show, to keep up with the uh, the progress of your little thing with the copyright, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything I'm into is linked from martinbaileyphotography.com. Uh, currently, there is a link to the. If you scroll down, there's like the, faf, the last five blog posts. So there is still a link to the to the open letter to Google and YouTube. But that the short link for that is mbp.ac/olytg. Open letter to YouTube and Google. And we'll link to that. We'll link to that. Thank you very much. Cool. All right. Thanks to you both for coming on. And we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. If you'd like to keep up with everything TWIP related, you can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com and you can join our photo over on Google+. And finally, if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at frederickvan.com over, or over on Google+. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. All right, folks, I'm here with a photographer. His name is Stephen Brokaw. Steve Brokaw. Steve, um, yeah. His website is stephenbrokawphotography.com. And Stephen came to me by way of Valerie uh, Jardine. Stephen, how, how do you pronounce her name? Cause I Jardin. See, Jardin. There you go. Uh, so Valerie connected us, and I'm glad she did because Steve is an, ama- an amazing photographer. He does the kind yeah. of work that I like shooting. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I get the chance to pick pick his brain about model photography and that sort of thing. But also, um, you have an awesome blog there, and you and he did some did a write up on mirrorless versus, or right. actually, this sort of mirrorless versus full frame, and when you might want to use the two because right. you shoot both. So I thought this would be a perfect time to have that kind of conversation. So welcome to the show, Stephen. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. This is going to be great. Yeah, this is exciting. So let's start out. Let's start off with you. Just a little background on you. So you're in Indianapolis, Indiana, and you, one of the, one of the reasons for this interview is because you are one of the photographers, like many of our listeners, I'm sure that straddle the line between, um, corporate regular job during the day, nine to five. And then at night you put on your cape and you're a superhero photographer, Right. So, so so take me through that. How did that come about? Yeah, it's been something that I've been doing for quite a while. Um, I am a professional guy. I work in a finance department of a large international company that's actually headquartered in L.A. And, and um, so I've been a photographer and it's gotten to the point now that I'm an empty nester. The photography has just really taken off and spend probably as much time now than I ever have in photography. So it's usually after normal office hours and on weekends and um i've just been focusing almost exclusively on street photography but primarily on model photography in the last i'd say the last three years yeah now is is the goal for you to one day to just kill the corporate job completely and go full-time photography or is it just a nice peaceful yin-yang coexistence you know you get to do this on when you have your creative release and then right. you got the, the day job for stability and consistency and all that. Yeah, I can't stress enough how much better it is to have a day job um, when you're doing photography because it's not a cheap, uh, not a cheap endeavor. So, yeah. um, no, the plan is right now that, you know, I like to do the, um, the day job because it pays the bills. Yeah. Um, I do photography because I enjoy it. Uh, but ultimately, uh, as time goes, uh, the idea is to be – you know, to be better and better at photography, and hopefully one day that would be my primary uh, my primary role. Yeah. Do you do you keep the two separate? Do, do, in other words, do the the folks at work know that you're this you know high powered fashion photographer guy? <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, I have a pretty large staff, so they all know I do this. But you know, I completely keep it separate. Um, don't mix the two. Um, you know, I don't let people from work on my Facebook page. Most people read my blog, but that's uh, you know they. They kind of joke about around with it, but it's pretty much separate. Yeah, at least for now. At yeah. least for now. At least for now. Yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the uh, mirrorless versus full frame. And I'm one of the people that reads your blog, so I was reading right. it, and I know you have some opinions on when to use one or the other. And you shoot with a, I've got it down here, Fujifilm X20, and right. for the on the Micro Four Thirds or the mirrorless side, and then on the other side. You're a Nikon full frame shooter, so right. tell me what demystify what you're shooting on the Nikon side, and then take me through your your mindset as to why you'd want to use one or the other. 
Yeah, I've recently switched about a year ago to the Nikon D600, so I'm shooting full frame. Mm -hmm. And that's almost exclusively in studio now. So I like it because it's it's fast. It focuses very quickly. I like the full frame nature of the studio work because it allows me more flexibility in cropping and just getting the tonal range a little bit better. And the, it's not really an ISO issue. Yeah. But then I've purchased this X20 really about six months ago, and I've just fallen in love with it. Um, it's almost exclusive what I use now for street photography. Um, I carry it in my car whenever I go on a business trip. It's in my my briefcase. Yeah. Um, and it's been just an amazing, amazing camera. As a matter of fact, I went on a workshop with Valerie a few months ago, and uh, that's pretty much all I used. Um, the second and third day, is the, and it, the quality is just amazing. So what I've found is that for for studio work, until they come up with a really kind of a full-frame um, Nikon uh, that's a mirrorless camera, I'm going to stay with the DSLR. Mm -hmm. um, and for just casual shooting, the um, the X20s work perfectly for me. And, uh, you know, that's the right size. It's not a pocket-type camera, yeah. but it is a camera that's good enough to, um, you know, keep in a bag. And it's it's a light-traveling camera, so I really love it. But I do I'm keep familiar with that camera. Is, it, is the X20, does that have interchangeable lenses, or the fi is it a fixed lens? No, it's that's why I got it. It's got a it's got a zoom lens. Um, it's quite quite small, little yeah, little guy. Is. Okay, yeah. It's um it's like the little cousin of the X100s. Okay. Um, lot smaller form factor. It's um it's got a fixed zoom lens, so you can't take it off. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it's got all the functionality of the X100s. So it's a nice little camera. It's very fast. I really enjoy it. How much How much was that thing? It was about uh, six hundred dollars. Okay. Um, six hundred ninety nine, I think it was. Yeah, so half um, half the X one hundred S. Yeah, and it was available too. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm still licking those wounds of not being able to get an X one hundred S. Well, you know, I checked. I did a lot of research. I looked at the Olympus, the OMDs. I looked at the Fujifilm cameras. I looked at the Pentaxes. I looked at them all. And what I really liked is the fact that it does have an optical viewfinder. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's uh, perfect for what I do because I like to put it up to my eye. I don't like holding the camera out like this to to compose. So it's worked out perfectly. So being being a studio shooter, like you are the you were the quintessential sort of studio shooter. You're shooting models right. in a studio environment, right. full frame Nikon camera, lights, camera action, all that stuff. Right. Um, and you also have a, the the mirrorless on the Fuji side. Why you know, in not from the standpoint of the, the, the fixed zoom lens on the on the X20 that you have, but on the mirrorless side, say with the Micro Four Thirds, interchangeable lenses and being able to switch and, and do that sort of thing, why wouldn't you, what's the argument against moving to the smaller sensor size mirrorless? Or in other words, what's the argument for staying with a mirrored full frame? There's really no argument today. The cameras are getting so good. Um, all my lights can be triggered you know, using my, my electronic triggers. Um, so as long as you have a hot shoe, you're good to go. Yeah. And I know several people that use micro four-thirds and use the mirrorless cameras perfectly. And um, really, it's just the fact that I've got the D600. I've been a DSLR shooter forever. And it's really it would be a challenge if I ever upgraded um, and got rid of the DSLR the, and 
and looked at some something else, I would definitely look at a mirrorless camera. But right now, it's what I have. Yeah, it's it's my workflow. I'm familiar with it. I know where all the buttons are. Yeah. it's like my right hand. So, and in the end, be, why? Like, why would you change if you're? Because I'm you're looking at your work. It's amazing work. Why would thanks. you? If you're already generating awesome work and you've got that muscle memory down and right. the workflow down and all that. Change for change's sake doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Now, if your camera was broken and right. you were like, okay, it's time to move to something else. I'm going to use this opportunity. Then you might consider it, right? Yeah, I might. But I've invested so much in the Nikon lenses. Oh, the lenses. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to switch. I mean, the, the quality of the 70 to 200 or just the 50 millimeter in studio is amazing. Yeah. So it would be tough to change. But yeah. I would definitely look at it, especially if Nikon came up with a mirrorless camera that was full frame. Uh, I'd be looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they might. You know, Sony Sony's cranking up the heat on that with their yeah, yeah. A7 and A7R full frame mirrorless. So. They threw the gauntlet down, so we'll see what Nikon and Canon do. <laughs> yeah, I read those uh, cameras are awesome. So, yeah it's, yeah, it's just a matter of time for Nikon to catch on, I think. Yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate that they have to catch on. They should be leading, not catching on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a whole other story. <laughs> no, no, let's not go there. <laughs> yeah, let's not go. Okay, so you mentioned, you mentioned studio. So do you have your, you have your own studio? or right. So how, do, how does all that work? Yeah, there's a... Um, what I would call an industrial complex in Indianapolis. And they have part of it is a, um, is, is an artist colony. And what they've done is they've rented out about a third of the building. It's huge. It's enormous for studio space. Mm -hmm. And, um, a friend of mine were actually in a, um, a gallery probably about two years ago. And we're just talking. So we'd love to have a studio space. And the guy who had the gallery said, there's a build, there's a room that's basically open right next to him. And uh, so we leased it out and turned it into a studio and got a couple of other guys to join us over the last year. And so there's four uh, photographers in this one 1,800-square-foot studio. Mm -hmm. And it's great because it's got a sitting area, it's got a gallery, it's got a kitchen, and it's got a storeroom, and it's got a shooting area. And um, so it's it, we pr I probably use it two days a week um, and then at least once on the weekend. And it's close to the office, so it's easy to stop over there. Yeah. And uh, we've got a Google get, uh, calendar, and we just sync up when we're going to be there. And um, we, you know, we have a lease on it, and it's it's worked out amazing because it's so much cheaper than renting studio space. Yeah. So and you, um, so you guys take that that whatever the rent is for that space and divide it by four, and yeah. everybody's happy. Yeah, everybody's happy. We have one guy who does the lease, and the rest of us have a business agreement with. Mm-hmm. And what we do every month, we just pay them one quarter of the lease and we just use it as we do. And then there's a, we have gallery openings and we have photographers that come in town and um, show their photography every, every month at first Friday of the month. And it's, it's really amazing. It's so much better than like shooting in your basement or your garage or having to rent a place. Right. Yeah. And just having, especially, I'm going to transition this into models in a second, mm -hmm. but but having models go to a physical sort of studio location, I'm sure is better than saying, Hey, come to my house and I'm going to shoot you, you know, which, you know, a lot of people do. I've done that, but it's still a lot of people do it, but it's just a different sort of mindset of saying, Hey, meet me at my studio at six o'clock, you know, rather than come it to is. my house. Yeah. It's nice. And it's getting a little bit of buzz in town because it's, we've had it for about three years and uh, people kind of recognize the name now. And so you can say, hey, we shoot at this studio. And, they'll, you know, they kind of know where it's at. 
And it makes it so much easier. It's a place to store all of our equipment, uh, so I don't have to tote that with me. So it's been very, very good. It's probably the best move that I've made in the last two years from a photography standpoint. That's great. That's great, yeah. Yeah, there's something about the physical studio that just, you know, you're having all your stuff there, and you just go, and you shoot, and you got you dream up new shoots to do. and Yeah. And it's comfortable, especially with the kitchen and the bathroom and all that stuff there for changing. It's just, right. you know, it, have a little wine on the counter. It's all good. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll go without the wine with these young models. So. Yeah, that, yeah, that could probably, yeah. No. So let, yeah. let's talk about that. So with the models, um, what's so what's the business model and what's your ultimate goal out of this? Is it, are you building a business around mm-hmm. shooting models and they're coming to you, giving you money to shoot them? Or are you building your portfolio and you're saying, Hey, model, come let me shoot you, and I'll give you some prints, or or I'll pay you. What, what's your what's your ultimate goal? Yeah, it originally started off just um, shooting for themes, so I'd have a certain theme, a certain fashion look. Um, maybe I'd shoot a certain color, mm-hmm. um, and so I would start doing it. It was all basically personal projects to start. But then I started to get you know my portfolio was developed, and so what started to happen probably about a year ago was where um, models would actually reach out to me. Um, and they say, hey, I like your style. I'd like to shoot with you. Um, I'd like to possibly, um, you know, do a test shoot. Um, a lot of TFP work mm-hmm. um, where TFP, I wouldn't charge. Define, define TFP. Oh, uh, time for prints. So basically, I'm not being charged for my services and the model's not being paid for her services either. So there's an agreement that I will shoot uh, a model for two hours and give her maybe 10 images for her portfolio. And in return, I get um, to shoot a model and put that quality work usually in my portfolio. Yeah. And who, um, who owns the rights to those images? You or the model? The photographer always does. Okay. Even if you uh, sign a model release, um, the only – I've never given up rights to the images. So I'll let them – I don't watermark any of my work. I'll let them basically use them for whatever mm-hmm. as long as they don't crop them unless it's for a Facebook picture yeah. or they don't manipulate them yeah. they can basically do what they want with them as long as i you know as long as we have that agreement up front mm-hmm. and um and so generally speaking what's happened now is that i get a lot of models that reach out to me um through facebook or email and say i'm going to be in town or local i'd like to shoot with you and so you know you usually look at what they've what they've done in the past if there's any you know any skill set and then based upon that, I'll schedule something and uh, we'll shoot. So, like, I've got a test shoot tomorrow. Um, and then usually do maybe three or four a month, um, just raw, fresh um, models that have just started out and do a test shoot for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, occasionally, uh, usually a couple times a month, uh, they'll reach out to me. And it's actually, you know, I'm saying, look, I'll, you, you need to pay me for this. So I've got a pricing model and their portfolio. And what it, what is the pricing model? What do, what do you charge on these folks? Um, what I do is I it's it's because I'm fairly new to it. It's fifty dollars um, for s- basically per hour for a sitting fee. Okay. So you come into the studio. Um, it's fifty dollars an hour, which is generally the low end of the scale. Again, because um, fairly new to it, mm-hmm. and then uh, with that you get a certain number of, of images. Um, but if if you want more, there's a cost per image. Okay. Um, most shoots usually run between two to three hours. So generally what you're looking at is, um, $50 an hour for three hours. Okay. And then the deliverable is a, is it a online gallery or are you giving them a disc or, or, or how do you do that? 
yeah, I have an online gallery. Um, so basically it's a secure passworded protected gallery. Mm-hmm. They go in and select the ones they want. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'll put my watermark across the center of it. They select the ones they want, and then I will process those. And then as soon as they select them, they either take them from the gallery or I'll email them or Dropbox them to them. So it's usually an electronic delivery. Okay. Okay. Got it. And that's who's doing that? Smug mugs and folio. Yeah. I use smug mug for the gallery. Okay. And then, um, that seems to work out really, really well. Um, it's, it's quick, it's simple. Um, and then Dropbox of course is, is quite easy for delivery. Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I've seen a lot of photographers start using Dropbox because it's so easy. You just basically drag a bunch of images into a folder and right. it makes a gallery out of them and you share that right. link and it's done. Right. Yep. So, it's so, so uploading and this is just the problem with the Dropbox pieces. You can't do the passwording. You can just, you know, it's, it's uh security through obscurity. Right. So they have to know the link to get to it, but they can yep. share it out and all that. But still it's a path of least resistance, right? No, it works perfectly, actually. We've started to use that more and more. But right now, Smug Mug is the main way that we put the create the gallery. We put it up there. I usually leave them for about a month. Yeah. And then after they've um, selected their images, I take the gallery down. Yeah. So it works out really well. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, then. So so we've got the, the, the professional side of things. So when you're, when you're finding models to shoot just for, like, you want to build out and round out your portfolio, um, where are they coming from? Are they in the local area? Are you using Model Mayhem? How does that work? Yeah, I used Model Mayhem at start, um, but I really didn't get a, really a lot of success with that simply because three years ago, you, you really, in this industry, you really need to have a reputation and you need some experience. So I started off Model Mayhem, did very poorly with that. So it was basically through word of mouth, through makeup artists would recommend people. Mm-hmm. Um, friends of friends. And then once I got that established, then most of the local uh, talent we get through Facebook. Mm-hmm. So they'll reach out through me, either through my personal or my business Facebook page. And then recently in the last, I'd say the last year, I've actually started to, to work with agencies um, because then you're working with models that are actually skilled and they know how to pose. They have a certain look that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and working with agencies is good, but it's tough. Um, and where, well, it, it's, it, if you're going to do a TFP shoot, there has to be some benefit for the agency. Um, rarely will they give the quality, uh, talent if it's just, Hey, you know, come on down to my studio and I want to shoot you for my gal, for my portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're doing something, uh, like I'm doing, a, a shoot for a magazine Sunday and, um, it was no problem at all getting, um, getting a, a model through an agency with that simply because you say it's going to be a published shot. Um, so if there's something in return, it's fairly easy, but most of the agencies, they want a fairly, you know, for the good talent, you have to pay. Right. And, and what's the, uh, I was going to ask that. So the, the return could be like you're saying the magazine shoot. So it's exposure at that point. So the yeah. model can say, Hey, I pose in X magazine. Here's my tear sheet. Right. Um, um, if it's TFP, it's just an exchange back and forth. And I can see how an agency would say they'd put you at the bottom of the totem pole in yeah. terms of <laughs> what you're going to get and if you're going to get somebody. But then the, the the great equalizer is cash, right? So you just yeah. say, hey, I'm, I need a blonde. She's got to look like this and, you know, this body style. And I'm willing to pay how much? And so what yeah. what generally in your experience is that how much? What are we? What would you be paying? For an experience model, it's usually about $150 an hour up. Okay. Um, so 300 bucks for a two-hour shoot then? 
Yeah, and usually there's minimums, minimum two hour minimum, yeah. almost always. Uh, generally speaking, locally, if if it's talent from here in town, um, it's anywhere from fifty to seventy five dollars an hour. Um, so it, it is not a cheap, um, endeavor, but I mean, that's why the day job is really nice to have. So, yeah. so you can fund it. It's your, it's your, your own personal Kickstarter campaign. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what about, so as you, when you're coming up with the idea, so I was looking through your site and all the, like, it's beautiful fashion. The black and white stuff is stunning, by the way. Congratulations Thanks. on Thanks. that. So how do you come up with the ideas for these shoots? Are you are you just sort of sitting there and like watching TV and you're like, I want to do a shot like this and you know, and sketch it out and then build it and find the model or is it more serendipitous? Yeah, there's absolutely no problem with that at all because I have probably when it comes to photography, I've got ADD. I mean, I've got a thousand ideas. Um, you know, I look at fashion magazines. Um, I read books on photography. I look at different websites. I read blogs. And you get an idea. So what I'll generally do is I'll just um, either tear images out of a magazine or I'll copy some images from a website. I look at Pinterest. Mm -hmm. Um, I talk to other photographers. I follow certain photographers, and then I get an idea. And then generally what I'll do is that I'll decide which one I'm going to work on. And then I schedule. Generally at that time, I'll, I'll reach out to a makeup artist and find the makeup artist I want. And then we'll find uh, a model. And it's generally, you do it specifically on the look. So if you want somebody with long black hair and um, size two, mm -hmm. then you're going to find somebody like that. And so you put out a casting call, either through uh, an agency or through um, Facebook. And before you know it, you'll get a few people. And uh, sometimes you'll get, you know, the redhead uh, five foot two gal, or you'll every once in a while get the perfect person. Right. And then, um, not that we, there's any, anything wrong with redheaded five foot two gals, but if you're not, looking for a six foot tall blonde person and the redhead right. five foot two shows up, you got a problem. <laughs> right, right, right. There's no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a five foot two redheaded gal. Yes. No, the thing is, though, is that what I'll do is that then I'll come up with a concept and then I will actually share the concept with the model to make sure that she's aware of it. Um, then we'll exchange photographs electronically. Hey, this is the image we're trying to get. I'll usually create a, uh, um, a comp card or a, um, a book, um, and I'll send it to them. And then they'll look at it and say, hey, yeah, I'm interested in this. And then we'll agree to it. And we decide if there's going to be fashion brought in or if we're going to, if hey, bring these type of clothes. And then uh, we agree on a date uh, to the studio, and then we show up and we start going at it. And usually what I'll do is I'll go in the night before to make sure the studio is properly set up, get the lighting set up. Because yeah. the worst thing you can do is have somebody come in and you're spending, you know, a half hour getting your lighting set up or getting the backdrop set up. So I generally yeah. come in prepared. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, when you're shooting, is it just you with a model or is it you, the model, hair and makeup or an assistant or what does the crew look like? Yeah. Today, it's almost always a, the model, uh, a makeup artist, a hairstylist. And about half of the shoots now uh, bring in fashion. Mm -hmm. um, either it's uh, local fashion or we get it pulled from the different stores. Um, so I would say probably at minimum three people in a studio at any one time. Okay. Um, I'll get an assistant occasionally, but usually it's an assistant uh, when it's a big shoot and I need somebody to take notes or I'm shooting tethered. Yeah. But more than likely, I'm not using an assistant. So usually three to four people. So how how does that work money wise then? So doing the math, if you're if it's a two hour shoot, and say you're paying the model, uh, and it's not an mm -hmm. agency model, so which means, or mm -hmm. even if the model is paying you, it's a it's a two to three mm -hmm. hour shoot. So 
um, at fifty bucks an hour, and then you've got okay. a staff there. How, are those folks working on on TFP as well? Because it seems like you you'd be in the negative at some point there, charging so not you know at fifty bucks an hour. Yeah, I would love to say that I'm making tons of money, but this is really a break-even proposition, right? <laughs> yeah, the makeup yeah. artist always gets paid. Um, only on like uh, shoots for submissions to magazines will they do that for TFP. But I I can't think of maybe one or two times that I've not paid the makeup artist. Yeah, um, you always pay pay the hairstylist. You always pay the fashion to come in again, unless it's published um, work. Yeah. So almost always it's a break-even proposition. And where, um, where are you finding those folks, the makeup artist and the hair person? Uh, they're all local. Um, they're people that I, I have two makeup artists that I use almost all the time okay. um, <clears throat> because you know their style. They know my style. Um, it tends to be pretty similar um, all the time. Yeah. Uh, the hairstyle is pretty much the same way. I pretty much use just one person all the time. Yeah. And then we have about four or five people we use to bring in fashion. And most of the fashion, they pull it from the local department store, so they have a cash themselves. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I've, I've heard the tip that um, go go to the mall and go to the Mac store in the mall and solicit the makeup artists in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but then a lot of models don't like Mac, you know, so it's, yeah. it's interesting. So that's, that's really good advice. So speaking of advice. To, to round this out, what so other photographers that are that are earlier in the path than you mm-hmm. are that are like you know what I want to get into this I want to I'd like to have I'd like to shoot models in my non corporate time and have a studio and mm-hmm. and be where Stephen is how what what advice would you give to them to sort of start moving in that direction Yeah, Frederick, it's don't start with a studio. I mean that's an expense immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know if you're going to do this, then rent a studio space. Um, you know, use your garage, use your basement, use a friend's studio, yeah. um, because that's an expense that you're going to have constantly. Yeah. Um, and until you get established, you're not going to make enough money to cover your cost of that. Um, so don't start with a studio. Secondly is just practice. Um, just practice, 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 develop your portfolio. Yeah. Don't just put anything up there. Just find the absolute best stuff that you do and put it out there. Um, make contacts, network heavily, develop your um your name in the industry in the local market and then before you know it then you can start looking at a studio but what i've always learned and one of the things that i've found is the best for me is that by default i'm a business guy yeah so this is really a business first Mm -hmm. and i think that you need to always remember that you know it's an expensive business so watch your p's and q's watch your pennies uh don't go into debt. Um, yeah. Don't buy that latest camera if you don't need it. Yep. Um, it's easy to get out of hand, and it's easy to to uh, rationalize in your head that you need that latest camera. <laughs> yeah. There is absolutely nothing in this hobby or this business that is cheap. It is so expensive. Right, right, yeah, yeah. nothing. Yeah, I, I I was trying to think of something that's cheap. That, yeah, nothing. No, nothing, nothing is cheap. No. <laughs> That's great. So one last question for for you go here lighting wise. Um mm-hmm. in the studio what are what are you using for lights? What's your what brand? Yeah, I'm exclusively an Ellen Chrome shooter. Okay. Um so the I have the photographer RA. today that I've interviewed that's really? at Ellen Chrome. Wow. Well, you know, I started off with that because I had Ellen Chrome triggers and the um a lot of the the studio strobes have the the triggers the receivers inside of them. Yeah. Um, so I shoot Ellen Crom's, the RX and the BR um, s- series, and then I have all the um, Rotolux uh, modifiers. So 
basically all the soft boxes of beauty dishes you can imagine. And the fact that I'm shooting with uh, three other photographers, um, our studio is full of anything you'd ever want. I bet. I bet. So yeah, but I can imagine the, uh, the shot planning session where you're like, okay, so I'm going to use this octobox and this yes. head and I'm gonna with this reflector here and this background and yeah, the whole nine yards. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, that's probably the most challenging thing is really to determine what you want to do and how you're going to light it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got my base set of lighting that I'm going to do every time. And then I build from that. Yeah. Um, but you got to get it right because if you're in studio, uh, you know, you have one light the wrong place and all of a sudden, hey, where'd that shadow come from? Or you've, uh, you've blown out a, a highlight. It just doesn't work. So you've really got to get it down. Are you, are you doing multiple lights setups or, or just one? Yeah, I generally use two lights. Usually it's a beauty dish or a large 40, 43 or 60 inch uh, softbox. Mm-hmm. And then I usually have a hair light on top. Okay. Um, okay. So I've got this huge uh, Manfrotto Super Boom. And it, um, you know, has the the Ellen Crone light right on top, so it gives you a nice hair light. So it's usually two. Occasionally, you throw a light on the background if you want to blow it out for high key, um, but rarely more than two. How are, how are you triggering those through uh, wireless? Yeah, it's through an Ellen Crone, um, the Skyport triggers. Oh, okay, okay, got it. Yeah, very cool. See, sounds like yeah. you're firing on all cylinders. So you're- it's been. It's been fun. It's been quite a trip. Yeah, I can tell how passionate you are about photography, and I haven't heard much about the corporate job. I'm just saying, I haven't heard much excitement there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping none of my uh, work colleagues hear this then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, I see what's coming. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Well, congratulations on all your success. Thanks. thanks and thanks for taking the time to uh, to chat with me. This has been very educational and, and a little depressing because when I, when I talk to folks like you that are doing it, you know, I'm like, yeah. oh, man, I want a studio. I want <laughs> I want to be Steven. Yeah. So it's It's been great. It's been great. It's been perfect for what I'm doing and uh, I would recommend it to anyone. Very cool. All right. And where, so I mentioned at the top, you're at Steven Brokaw photography.com. You want to spell that out for us? Right. It's uh, S T E V E N B R O K A W photography.com. It's a Squarespace site. And then you can always find me on Facebook. I'm really active on Facebook. Um, both on Stephen Brokaw Photography for my business side and just Steve Brokaw on the other side. And uh, if you want to know about me, that's where I'm at. Awesome. Stephen, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, thanks a lot. And I love TWIP. It's great. Well, thank you. Thank you. All All right. right. You take care. See you. Bye.